Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good to see you. We've been looking forward to seeing you all week. If you're here for the first time, I want to encourage you to text the number on the screen. We'd love to communicate with you through text. Also, for the rest of you, now would be a great time to fill out your communication card. It's in your program there. You're not going to have a lot of time at the end of the service to fill it out, so you might want to go ahead and fill it out, and uh, you might be able to squeeze in a prayer request at the end of the service if God puts something on your heart. To place those cards in the offering basket at the end of the service, and we'll pray for each and every one of you who turns in a card, and uh, we'll keep your information confidential. So please take advantage of that. While you're filling that out, I've got a couple of announcements. Very important meeting next Sunday after the last service on Sunday morning, uh, right here in the worship center. It'll be a brief meeting with uh, Mike and Becca, our high school and junior high leaders and their teams. They want to meet with all the parents of junior high and high schoolers, and they want to share with you Uh, what the upcoming fall program is going to look like, what's going on, and how you can help your kids get connected. So if you have junior high and high schoolers, please come to that meeting next week and uh, find out more. Also next week, if you're kind of new to Crossroads, we'd like to invite you to have lunch with uh, a few of our pastors, get to know each other a little bit, connect just briefly, and then maybe uh, share with you some of the next steps you might take if you want to get more involved in the church and answer any questions you might have about the church as well. So I hope you can join us for that next Sunday after the third service. Also, while uh, you're digging around in your program, you might want to go ahead and pull your message outline out and have it there ready to go in a few moments. So we're in this series called Going Deeper, and we're looking at some worship songs, the meaning behind them, kind of fleshing them out. What are are these songs really about? What are they saying? And we want to really get our focus back to what we you know, a great song called The Heart of Worship says, making Jesus the center and the focus of what we're doing and our worship and getting our attention back on Him and making it about Him. And, you know, you can get in a rut in so many areas of life, and the truth is you can get into a spiritual rut. You can get into a spiritual rut. How many of you have ever, you know, you go to the same road every day back and forth to work or school, and uh, one day you pull up in your driveway, you're getting out of your car, and you go, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Anybody ever have that experience? Like you went on autopilot, right? You're just hoping you didn't run over anybody on the way, on the way home, right? And you go, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Because it's such routine. And you know, the same thing can happen when you come to church and you come to worship. You can get in a routine and just go through the motions. You can sing great songs that you love. You can enjoy the music, but sometimes you know these songs so well, you don't really have to think about what you're saying. When I was in seminary, one of my professors, Dr. Stricker, He said, you know, the truth is we go to church, we worship God, we sing these great songs about God, we sing these great songs to God, but sometimes we're on autopilot and we're not really meaning them, we're not really connecting. And he said, when we do that, he said, shame on you. And he gave us some exercises and things we did together as a class to help us really focus on our worship, which is really important. Jesus said that God is spirit and true worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. God wants us when we come to worship to really mean what we're saying, to be sincere, to be honest, to be truthful, and to really understand who the God is that we're worshiping. He wants us to worship Him from our heart, from our spirit, in truth. And that's what we're trying to help you do in this series here, is just kind of sharpen our worship muscles together. And today we're looking at a song that captures something that we all long for deeply in our hearts. We all long for a connection with God. And in this song, Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a, The chorus says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. 
to become over to be overcome by your presence, Lord. And let's let's pray together. God, we're grateful to you. We're grateful for your Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't really think about your presence in our life day by day. We we don't really understand the presence of your spirit. But God, we're so grateful that you're a, you're an amazing God, all-powerful God who wants to be a part of our daily lives and that you've made it possible through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us to be forgiven and actually have your presence in our lives. So God, as we look at this song and your word and what you have to say, I pray that you would speak to each one of us right where we're at. Impress on us how, how special we are in your eyes, how much you treasure us, how much you love us. And God, help us not to take for granted your presence and your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, Fred's going to set up our song, our song for this, uh, today's message for us. He's going to sing through the song. And uh, if you'd like to sing along, feel free. It's just, you feel free to sit and contemplate, meditate on what he's talking about, what he's singing about, and uh, just kind of reflect on these words as he leads us. Let's just thank our Heavenly Father for his presence, for his desire to be with us. Thank you, Fred. You know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit today, and there's a, so much you could say about the Holy Spirit. This could be a, a full series of messages, and, but I, I, I've been studying this for like the last week and a half, two weeks, and I kind of knew what I wanted to say, what I felt like God wanted us to talk about, but I did, couldn't get it out. It just wasn't flowing. It was, it was just harder, a lot harder than usual to get it on the paper. I spent a lot of extra time. It was just a struggle. It was kind of frustrating. I was praying. I said, God, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard this weekend? You know what I really felt like? I felt like God was saying, you know what? Satan doesn't want you guys to talk about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to focus on God's presence available in, your, in his life. And, there, and, and I felt like that there's somebody here today. There's somebody here that desperately needs to hear this message. More, we all need to hear from God, but somebody especially needs to hear this today. And I, I don't know who it is. It could be somebody here or somebody in this section or over here. Or maybe it was the last service. I don't know. But just God kind of, I just felt like he was saying, you know, Satan doesn't want us to think about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to focus on him. And I believe this is such an important topic. I hope, I hope you've come with a heart ready to hear from God. See, we all, we all have this need in common. My soul longs for the presence of God. Your soul longs for the presence of God. Just write that down there on your outline. My soul longs for the presence of God. You know, like many of you, like many of you, I have a lot going on in my life. I'm not asking for sympathy or anything. I just want you to understand, you know, I have the same challenges that many of you have. I mean, I've never been in 30 plus years of ministry. I've never been in a season where there were so many changes, so many decisions that need to be made, so many things that we need to work on. Most of them aren't bad things. Or most of them are good things, exciting things. But there's so much happening right now. It's like overwhelming you know, as I come to work every day and think about all the things and challenges and doing things differently. And then my wife went back to teaching last year. So she went back to full-time teaching in the classroom and her school started last Monday. So she went back to work after summer and that's a pretty stressful time for her getting all geared up and she works hard. She's an English teacher. And one of my kids started school back last Monday and going back to school is not easy for him. He doesn't handle that change very well. He gets a little overwhelmed by being with people all day long. He has high-functioning autism, and so it's just a challenge for us in our family, keeping him on track and keeping him caught up. feel a little overwhelmed, and then, and then my uh, house needed some, some work done pretty desperately, so we got some of that started, but 
You know how it is when you start a project in your house and it gets, everything's a mess, just chaos, just crazy. And I'm, here I am fighting with this message and I woke up yesterday morning and I just felt a little weary and discouraged. I mean, anybody ever feel like that? Anybody with me? Just feel a little overwhelmed? And I felt like, man, I, 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 I can't do everything. I can't be the husband that God's called me to be. I can't be the father he's called me to be. I can't be the pastor he's called me to be. can't be the homeowner he's, you know, taking care of my home. I just feel so, so inadequate. I'm like, man, I've got to share a message tonight. And I'll just, I was feeling a little stressed, and I'm usually pretty even. I was feeling a little down. I was feeling discouraged. You know, a thought even entered my mind. I wonder if somebody else could, could fill in tonight. No, I can't do I said, you can't go there. What's going on? And I stepped back. And I kind of took a moment and I just thought, reminded myself, you know, I, I'm focusing on me and my abilities and my power. And I'm, I'm really not looking to God right now. I said, I need to pray. I need to talk to God. And, and so I started praying and I said, I said, uh, God... I need you. I need your presence. I need your power. I need your encouragement. I need your guidance. I need your, your hope. I need you right now, God. I can't do what you call me to do today on my own. You know, the truth is, Lord, I'm not in my 40s anymore. Just I'm a little tired. It's a little wearing me out, you know. And, you know, as I prayed and I looked to God, I felt like he really met me. That's what he wants us to do, rely on him, depend on him. And be, I began to feel a peace and encouragement. Begin to let go of some of that stress. Begin to face my day with a more positive outlook and attitude. And maybe you've been there in your life. Maybe you're there right now. But I want to talk to you about God's presence in our life, that hunger we have for Him. And when life just gets overwhelming and we just feel like we're not enough, we need something more. David put it very beautifully in Psalm 63. He said, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Can you underline that phrase, my whole being longs for you? Think about a time where you were so thirsty. Maybe you were on a hike and you were, you were running out of water, which happened to me this summer. You start trying to stretch. You're so thirsty, you can't wait to get a big drink of water. I visited my parents in Arizona this, a few months ago. They moved to Goodyear to retire to be, me, be near my sister Linnea. And if you don't like being in a dry and parched land, don't move to Phoenix, Arizona. Man, you talk about it's dry and it's dusty. My mom sent me some pictures. They live in a house that was built five or six years ago. Pretty well-built house, pretty airtight. But somehow this wind blows and their house gets full of desert dust. So much that she sent me a picture of the dust. That it's like, man, dry. And your soul, you think about your soul being spiritually dry. Life just kind of sucking the, sucking the moisture out of everything in life. And you're David said, my soul, my whole being longs for you. I hope you'll underline that phrase. My whole being longs for you. I mean, maybe you've been so thirsty, you'd do anything for a drink of water. You're just dry. Your soul's dried out or your mouth is parched. And it reminds me of this little boy, you know, dad was trying to get him in bed. And you know how kids can do, they delay the bedtime. And dad was getting a little stressed out because he couldn't get his kid in bed. Finally, he gets him in bed. Five minutes later, little boy yells down the hall, Dad! Dad, can you bring me a glass of water? Dad said, no, son. You have plenty of time to take care of that. You've got to learn to take care of this stuff before you go to bed. You just really stretch it out tonight. You know, you're just going to have to get to sleep. Well, sure enough, five minutes later, Dad, Dad, I need a glass of water. Will you bring me a glass of water? Dad's like, no, no. And if, if you call down here again, I'm going to have to come down there and give you a spanking. I'm just, just been too much tonight. Sure enough, five minutes later, Dad, 
Dad, when you come down here to, to spank me, can you bring me a glass of water, please? I mean, that's desperate, right? He wanted some water. He wanted to quench his thirst. And David says, man, my whole being longs for you. And God knows our hearts. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what we need in our lives. He designed us. He created us. He knows the perfect gift for us. Unlike the kids I went to elementary school with. How many of you, when you were in, in elementary school, you exchanged names and you bought a present for your classmates? You know, and I would get kind of excited because well, I didn't have a lot of extra stuff. I mean, I wasn't dirt poor, but I just didn't have a lot of extra. I'd be kind of excited. My mom and dad would let me buy a nice little present for whoever I got my name, name I drew. And I'd try to find just the right present, you know, within that little budget. Get them something that would really match who they were. Something that they would enjoy. And then you know what I got in second, third, and fourth grade, three years in a row? I got all excited to open up my present. Chocolate-covered cherries. That fake chocolate with the goopy, syrupy cherry inside. Three years in a row, I was so disappointed. Those cherries, you, know, you bite one, they're so sugary, you eat one, and you're dying of thirst. I mean, I just couldn't stand it. But God knows exactly what you need. He gives you just what you need, just what your soul longs for. He knows that we need him. See, the Bible tells us we were all made by God. We were created by God. We were made for a relationship with him. And when we don't have that connection with God, we're not living in connection with him. We know inside, I mean, inside, we sense something's missing. We, we might not know what it is. I mean, you might be here today because somebody dragged you here and you don't know what it is that's missing in your life, but you've been looking for something to satisfy your soul, to bring you contentment. And, and, and society tells you, you know, live for yourself. Get more, do more, look out for yourself, get, have all the pleasure, have all the things, or if you just get the right family or the right person, you'll be satisfied, you'll be content. Those things, those things by themselves are all good, but without that connection with God, you're always going to feel like something's missing. You're going to be looking for something to fill up that emptiness, that thirst that's inside of your soul. God told us this in Jeremiah, it's not on your outline, Jeremiah 2, he said, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Remember David said, my soul longs for God. My soul's thirsty, cries out. He said, they've abandoned me, the source of living water, the fountain of living water. And he says, they dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. There's like wells they dig in the desert to catch the runoff. They would dig these cisterns to catch the water so when it was dry, they'd have water to drink. And, and God said, they've turned away from me, and they've tried to satisfy themselves with other things. And these other things they try to satisfy them can never satisfy them. Because as much as they do, as much as they experience, as much as they try, it's cracked cisterns. It's just going to leak right out. They're just going to stay thirsty for God. And God knew what we needed to satisfy our thirst. And that's the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. The amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. Believe in me. Put your faith and trust in me. God will forgive you. He'll cleanse you. And then God will come and send his very Spirit, his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. Underline that phrase, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Man, when you're connected with God and you're walking with Him and you're aware of His presence, you don't have to go through life trying to find something to satisfy you. 
God's with you. He's in you. And even when times are tough, you can have him and his presence and his peace and his power within you. This is the other beautiful thing. You you notice what Jesus said here? Who can have this gift? Who can have this gift? Is it the religious people? The people who are good enough? The people who have cleaned their lives up a little bit? No, he said, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Whoever believes in me, who puts their faith and trust, anybody. You know, when I was in college and seminary, I studied the different world religions. And uh, one of the things all the other world religions have in common is they all teach that you have to fix yourself. You have to be good enough before you can be accepted by Allah or before you can achieve nirvana or connect with the gods that they believe in. You have to be good enough. You have to be holy enough. You have to do it. And I thank God, I, I, the Bible is very honest. It says you're, you can't do it. You can't be good enough on your own. But because of that, God sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be forgiven. We could be free. And then we can have his Holy Spirit. So I'm so grateful because I don't have to do it for myself. I put my faith in him. He did it for me. And now he promises to help me. Jesus was preparing his followers, his disciples, his his close friends. They spent three years with him. I mean, living on the road, going from town to town, speaking. They saw his miracles. They loved Jesus. He was like their close friend. He was their, their master, their leader. They trusted him. And he was preparing them for his crucifixion. And that after his crucifixion, he was going to go back to heaven and leave them forever. And here's one of the things he told them in John 16. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's a translation, another translation for the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener. Those are other definitions of his name. He does so much for us. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish Jesus could go through a few weeks of life with me so I could see how he handles all the modern stresses of life and I could learn from him. Like, I wish he would be in the car beside me, sometimes in the traffic, like physically right there. Actually, I'd like to see him drive and see somebody cut him off and nearly hurt him and his family. I'd like to see, you know, and think about some of the difficult people you deal with in your life. Man, some people are hard to, you know, you got to deal with, they're just... They take a lot out of you. They're just, they always have these problems and issues. They're very challenging. And man, when I read Jesus, somebody came to him with problems. He'd just say, you know, demon, come out. Holy, you know, come out of him. And they'd be healed, right? Well, I pray for some of you to be healed, but it doesn't happen. So, you know, just, I wish Jesus was right there. Like, help me. What would you do? What if you didn't, you couldn't just cast whatever problem was out of them? And you had to live with them every day. How would you handle it? But Jesus said, no, it's better for you if I leave. It's better for you if I leave. Oh, why is that? Because Jesus is God, and man, he could only be in one place at a time. So here in, a, in the flesh, in a body, he could only be here one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit can be in everyone, anywhere, at any time. The Holy Spirit can dwell in anyone who has received Christ. And Jesus said it's better for you because everyone can have Jesus with them. This advocate, this helper, this comforter. And how does the Bible tell us he helps us? How does he help us? Um, First thing, most important thing is the the Bible says the Holy Spirit's at work in the world to convict us of our sin. And why is that important? Well, I need to recognize I got some problems. I got some issues. I've done something wrong. I need to recognize that I'm a sinner and that I can't fix my relationship, that I need a Savior. I need someone to help me. And that's what 
the Holy Spirit's at work to do in people's lives to make them recognize that they're separated from God by their own choices, by the sin in their life. And so he, he makes us aware of that need. And then when we respond to him, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, he sends the Spirit to our lives. And last week, Pastor Cal talked about getting out of the boat. Well, how do you know when to get out of the boat? And how do you know what to do when you take a step of faith and get out of the boat? That's where the Holy Spirit plays a big role. He helps guide you. He helps you to understand. He, he counsels you. He directs you as you're trying to follow him. He puts on your heart what God wants you to do, and he gives you the courage to get out of the boat and go and do it. He's so important. When he calls you out, he speaks to you. Because God's not leading us all to take the same steps, but he's leading all of us to do something as we follow him. He wants us to get out of the boat and come to him. And so he'll help you. And then there's a list of some things there on your outline, just real briefly. Some of these have, have quotes. Those are phrases in the song. There's some verses you can look up if you want to study more about the Holy Spirit. But here's just some things the Holy Spirit does for us. My heart becomes free. My shame is undone. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what Christ has done for us. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, you're our living hope. You're our living hope. Now, you guys ever find yourself looking at what's going on in the world and you kind of go, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's kind of hopeless. Have you ever feel that way? I'm not, I mean, you know, there was a human philosophy that said human beings are gradually getting better and better. I look in the world and I go, what in the world? You know, just I look, open the paper, I turn on, I look on the, my, app on, my, my app on my phone, I turn on the news, listen to the radio. Man, just a few simple words, I can lose all my hope. You know, Zika virus. Police shootings, riots about police shootings, more police shootings, you know, people mistreating each other, terrorism, presidential elections, global warming. It's just so many depressing things, right? And I look at the world and I go, oh my gosh, how are we going to handle all these problems, all these issues, all these challenges? And I think, man, if I didn't have Christ in my life, I don't know how I would cope because the Holy Spirit reminds me of God's word and tells me that this isn't all there is and that God's in control and one day Jesus is going to come back and make everything right. But man, if I didn't have the living hope inside of me, I'd be down there on the corner buying some dope, numbing my pain. Just have, I mean, I, could, I don't know how people do it. I would be so depressed if I just thought, this is the world, it's hopeless, I better just make the most out of it I can. It would just, I just don't know. I see all the problems, all the issues, all the things going on. And then this next one's so important, the power to change. I mean, we all have some things in our lives that we don't like about ourselves. We have some addictions or habits, hurtful things about us, some things we wish we were better at. We wish we could control our tongues or our tempers. Try as we might, there's some things in our lives we just can't change. And the Bible says we're powerless on our own. But God's Spirit gives us the power. You know, it says the same power that raised Jesus to life is in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, isn't that beautiful? And what I like about this is we're getting ready to start to celebrate recovery ministry. And the whole ministry is based on, I mean, the first principle is you have to recognize you have a problem and you're powerless to fix and change yourself. Whether it's an addiction, a habit, a hurt from your past, whether you have codependency struggles, it's all based on God's word. And so it, it's, it's, it's a whole ministry designed to help people deal with their stuff and get healthy and to tap into God and His power. In fact, um, they've just started their, their like group study to kind of get the leaders all prepped for the bigger launch. 
And they're meeting on Monday nights at 7 over in Kids Ministry Building. And if you'd like to check it out, tomorrow is the last night that this opened to new members. Because once they get really going into the study, it's going to be a closed group. So you can check that out tomorrow if you'd like at 7 o'clock. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Not fruit of the looms, but fruit of the Spirit, okay? And so Galatians 5 says there's, when, you're, when you're filled with God's Spirit, you have more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. I could use some more of that stuff in my life. And so as I try to follow God, He begins to change me and make me more like Christ and produce this fruit in my life. He reminds me of how much God loves me. You know, we sing in the song, I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. And he teaches me and reminds me of Jesus' words. But, but here's, here's, the real, here's the real issue. We, we can sing these words. We can know the truth in our heads. But, but here's the question I want you to wrestle with. Do I live like I believe what I sing? Do I live like I believe what I sing? And I don't mean am I perfect. None of us are perfect. But do I really live like this? I mean, we start off singing in Holy Spirit, there's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. But when you go through your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, do you live your life like nothing can compare to knowing Jesus? Or or are you doing your Jesus thing when you come to church and then you go through the week looking out for yourself, looking out for your own interests and desires, focusing on your own thing, chasing other dreams, chasing other stuff that you think will make you happy and satisfy you? Does the way you spend your money reflect that you really believe Jesus, knowing Jesus is the most important thing? The way you spend your time, what you focus on, your thoughts, what you pursue, who you're living for. Does it really reflect that I believe what I'm... Do I really mean it when I say it? Do I really think there's nothing worth more that could ever come close. You know, the truth is that's my heart, but I don't live like that all the time. It's a constant battle to stay focused on Christ and living first for Him and not, not starting to live for myself again. We all struggle in this area. I think it's part of following Christ and becoming mature believers. <clears throat> so I want to talk about how can we nurture this in our life if we really want it? How can we welcome the Holy Spirit and focus on God in our daily life? See, we're commanded to be filled with God's Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Can you underline that phrase? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled up with God's Spirit. Paul's writing to believers. He recognizes they already have God's Spirit in them, but he says you need to be filled up. You need to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Like someone who's had too much alcohol, now they're influenced by the alcohol. He said... On the other side, you need, to be, you need to be like that, but you need to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled up with God's Spirit. Does that make sense? When, when you're filled with too much alcohol, it begins to change how you act, how you behave, how you talk, how you think. But when you're filled up with the Holy Spirit, it's to change how you talk, how you act, how you behave, and how you think. But somebody who's filled up with the Holy Spirit is probably acting a little different than somebody who's filled up with Jim Beam, right? So a little different. So you get filled up. He wants you to be filled up. Why do I, and, and in the Greek, the verb tense is here. It basically says, be continually, keep being filled up, is basically how you translate it. It's a little awkward in English. Continue to be filled up. Continue to be filling yourself with the Spirit. It's not like a one-time decision, and now I'm full. Man, you can be full of the Spirit and living with God so close for a while, and then you can let some sin creep in your life, and you start to live your own way, and you can kind of start living 
on low with the Holy Spirit. He won't leave you. He's still there. In fact, a Christian living a sinful life with the Holy Spirit in their hearts is more miserable than somebody that doesn't know God because you've got God's Spirit in you and you're disobeying God. I've been there, done that. So you, he wants you to be filled up. And why do I need to continually be filled? Because I leak. We all leak. It leaks out of us. Life, our decisions, our choices. And God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. So I want us to wrestle for just a few moments with how do I do that? How can I be filled with God's Spirit? So kind of best analogy I could come up with, it's not perfect, but the best analogy is to think about welcoming a guest into your life, into your home. So let's just imagine that you could have anybody in the world come and have dinner and hang out with you next Saturday from 5 till whatever, midnight. Anybody, singer, athlete, politician, whoever, pastor, whoever you want to come hang out with you. And you invite them, they say, yeah, sure, I'll be there. And so you start thinking about how am I going to welcome this guest to my home, this special guest, the person you most want to hang out with. So that's number one. You need to focus on my guest. Focus on my guest. Now, theologically, I have to say that when we're talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, this is incorrect because Jesus isn't our guest, all right? When we invite Jesus into our lives, he becomes a permanent resident. And more than that, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But just to help us understand about making the Holy Spirit feel welcome in his lives, work with me on this one, okay? Focus on my guest. Focus on my... I want you to think about this. So if you're going to invite somebody to your house, you're going to start thinking about what kind of food do they like, right? I mean, wouldn't that be terrible? You go to all this problem to cook this wonderful dinner. You create, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, filet mignon or shrimp parmesan or something. They come to your house and they go, man, I don't eat seafood. My lips blow up like a, you know, balloon or I, I don't eat meat. Wow, that would really ruin the evening. They would feel really welcome now. You check out, are they allergic to something? What do they like to eat? Maybe you plan some entertainment. I don't know what that might be, but you plan to do something like play cornhole in the backyard after you eat, or you plan to watch some TV, but maybe they don't like that. So you check first. What do they like to do? You want them to be comfortable. You want them to feel welcome. And when they show up, you pay attention to them. You'd turn off your phone. You wouldn't keep taking texts the whole time. Your special guest is there, right? You'd pay attention to them. You'd listen to them. You'd make eye contact. You'd talk to them. We'd do everything you could to make them feel comfortable. You know, we're going to have some guests here in a few weeks. We're going to have a big campaign to invite some guests to come visit our church because we want them to hear about Jesus. But we have to think about making them comfortable. Right now, we're at the end of the summer, and we're not crammed in here. But I guarantee you, in two or three weeks, people start getting back in their fall routines. It's going to start filling up again. And we're going to invite some guests. And some of them are going to show up, and they're going to have a hard time finding somewhere to park. And so we're going to ask some of you in a few weeks to park on the street. Walk up here. And some of them are going to find a hard place to not only park their car, but park their butts. They're going to come in here, and there's not going to be a lot of seats. And so we're going to say, hey, could, would some of you consider and pray about going to the 830 service so our guests can have some room to come in here and be a part of our service. We make them comfortable. We think about their needs and what they need. Uh, my son with autism, when he was younger, we didn't really understand what... He was a little different, so we didn't understand what he was wrestling with. And he'd like to invite friends over, and often his friend would come over, and after about a half an hour, I'd find one in one room playing... The friend in one room playing one thing, and my son in the other room playing something else. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, son, what happened? Did you guys have a fight? Did something happen? 
oh, no, Dad, he wanted to play that, and I wanted to play this. And I was like, son, time out. When your guest comes over, you focus on what they want to do. You play what they want to play. You don't insist on your thing. You want to have friends, and you want to invite them to your home. You, they're your guests. You look to what they want. So you make them comfortable. Paul said this, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, sometimes when I read stuff Paul said, I, I, I kind of go, what? I have a hard time with some of this phrasing here. You have to really look at it for a moment. But what I want you to capture is, he says, contemplate. Contemplate the Lord, His glory, who He is, how awesome He is. Take some time and focus your attention. Think about God. Think about who He is. Think about what He's done. And here's the beautiful thing. That, 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 that takes some effort and discipline. But He says, as you do that, you're being, you will be transformed into His image. You'll be changed to become more like Christ, more like the person He made you to be. See, we focus on our guest, and we benefit. It begins to change us and grow us. Now, if you're a reader, there's a couple books there I think that will help you a lot. I don't really have time to talk about those, but they're just helping you with some of these practices of contemplating God. In the Old Testament, there's one of the saddest stories in the Bible is about Samson. And, in, and before Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sins, the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in us. But the Old Testament says he would be on people. He'd be influencing people. But he couldn't live in them because the price for the sins hadn't been paid yet. God couldn't live in their hearts. Couldn't live in the, that presence of that sinful heart. But God's Spirit was on Samson. He did amazing things. He was very powerful. But Samson took God for granted. He focused on himself and his own needs, his own desires, not needs, his own desires and wants. And one day, Judges 16, 20 says, Samson didn't realize the Lord had left him. <clears throat> I mean, how sad is that? Not only did God leave him, he didn't even recognize him. He didn't even miss him because he hadn't been focusing on, on him. And it led to disaster. You can read his story there for yourself. But I want you to think about how can I allow the Holy Spirit to fill me I want you to think in your house about your bathtub. In your bathtub, you know, it's empty right now probably, but in the wall, you got two pipes, right? Cold water and hot water. And, and the water's there. It's available for you. You just have to turn on the faucet. Well, you have to pay the bills first too, but you got to turn on the faucet and you let the water in, right? Fill, and, and so you don't pr- provide the water necessarily yourself. It's there. You have to access it. Well, God's power, His presence is available to you, but you have to make you have a responsibility to allow him to fill you. So just real quickly, here's some things you can do to allow God to fill you. Things like just taking some time to be quiet so you can contemplate God. Being still. Being alone. Having some time to meditate. Praying, asking God to fill you up and make you aware of his presence. Reading the Bible, which tells us about God and helps us think about Him. Memorize Scripture. Get busy serving, finding some way to serve God and serve others. Because, man, I experience God's presence so much when I'm serving and using my gifts. Fasting. That's when you don't eat for a while on purpose so that when you get hungry, it reminds you to focus on God. You go like, why the heck am I doing this? I'm starving. Oh, yes, I'm trying to focus on God. Trying to focus on Him. Thanking Him. Living with the an attitude of gratitude, thanking God for all the good things in your life, being aware of Him. Worshiping together. I loved listening to you guys sing earlier when I came. Man, you guys are really singing so beautiful today. 
That's encouraging to worship God with others. And I'd even put beside that worship music, listening to worship music myself during the week in my car, at home, at my desk, experiences I might have. All those things can help us to connect with God and allow Him to fill us. We have to make some effort, though, because there's so many things that drain us. I think the number one thing that drains me is busyness, just getting so busy and so distracted. So many things going on around me. Constant media bombardment. I mean, I read an article, we don't even get bored anymore. We just pull out our phone and we read and do stuff while we're standing in line at the DMV or whatever. It says we're missing something because during those times of boredom, our brain works and chews on stuff. Well, we need some time where we intentionally set aside to focus on God and think about Him. Becoming lazy. Sometimes I just don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like making the effort. Being self-centered. Looking for other things to satisfy or fulfill me. And then sin in my life. See, God can't tolerate sin. He hates sin because of what it does to our relationships with Him, with others, and what it does to ourself. And that's number two on your outline. When you start thinking about dealing with sin, you've got to clean house when your guests are coming over. Clean house. That can be the source of many fights in a household. Getting ready for guests, right? Paul said this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. You've got to clean house. You've got to admit your sins, turn away from them, get rid of them. Beat those, you know, with God's help, beat those bad habits. He wants you to clean up. He feels welcome when you're not living a defiant, sin-filled life. John tells us this, if we confess our sins, God, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You circle that word purify, he'll clean you, he'll clean you up. Now again, we already said, sometimes we can't fix, we can't stop our own sinful patterns. We need God's help, we need his power, we need other people to help us. But we say, God, I'm so sorry I'm doing this, I I don't want to do it anymore. Would you help me turn away from it, help me to change? And you begin to take some steps. You're cleaning your house so that the Holy Spirit is welcome and comfortable in your life. The truth is, as I said earlier, Jesus is more than a guest. The Bible says when, when you receive Christ, it says you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Jesus paid his blood for your forgiveness for you. And so number three, you need to sign over the deed. I need to sign over the deed of my life. I need to acknowledge and recognize that I belong to Jesus, that he loves me, he died for me, he wants to lead me, he wants to direct me. As I follow him, he'll protect me and, and protect me from a lot of self-inflicted pain. You know, Paul, Pastor Paul talked a couple of weeks ago about the song, Come to the Altar. And you come to the altar and you worship God and you receive His grace and His goodness and His forgiveness. And also had that imagery of Romans 12, 1 says, you know, because of what God's done for you, offer your bodies, your lives as a living sacrifice. So you come to the altar and you receive God's forgiveness. You receive His love, but you give Him back yourself. Part of that worship, God, I'm not my own. I belong to you. Jesus made a connection between obedience and having the Holy Spirit. In John 14, he says, If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. See, Jesus said, As you surrender to me, as you begin to surrender your life and obey me, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit into your life. Dr. Ed Steele, professor, he has a great quote there at the bottom of your outline. 
He said, the test of our worship is our obedient response to God, not our feelings. We can have an experience outside of the realm of obedience. And what he's saying, he's not saying your feelings are wrong. God gave you feelings. Man, he wants you to worship him with passion. And sometimes, sometimes you just feel God's presence. You, sometimes there's, there's a power in worshiping with other people. And we're all coming together to worship God. And he's present in our lives. And you have this wonderful experience. Sometimes you can have this powerful experience worshiping God on your own. But what Dr. Steele is saying is worship is a lifestyle. It's not just an experience. The experience is good. It can fuel you. But if your worship is just experiences, but it's not changing your life, then it's not true worship. He's saying true worship, our worship. The test of our worship is our obedient response to God. As you come to worship God, as you connect with Him, as you experience the Holy Spirit, is it changing you? Is it changing your heart? Is it changing the way you think? Are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? You know, right now we're going to have a moment in our service where we take our offering. And, you know, giving back to God is one of the ways we acknowledge that God's in control of my life. God, everything I have is yours. I want to give back. The Bible says give from the first fruits of your life. Give back to God, not from your leftovers. You put him first in your life. You show you trust him, that you love him, that you know you acknowledge him. And you're focused on him and you give back to him. It's one of the ways we worship. Now, if you're here as a guest, we don't ask you to give financially. Just share your communication card with us. Maybe you're not there yet. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. But for those of us who are following God and this is our church home, we give back to God. And God uses that to share his love of hope with others. And after the offering baskets come, you put your uh, communication cards in there as well. The band's going to lead us in the song, Holy Spirit. We're going to close with that, but I, I'll come back up and set it up. So uh, ushers, if you'd come in just a moment. Just a moment after the, after the baskets pass you by, I'm going to ask you to stand. And, and I want to ask you to sing this song as a prayer of response to God. Sing it from your heart. Sing it like you mean it. Think about what you're saying. And here's something that will help you engage a little bit as you sing. Just involve your body just a little bit. My, might be a little awkward for some of you, but let me encourage you to get out of your comfort zone. When someone comes to your home that you really care about, what do you do? You want to give them an embrace. And I want to think as you sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Just put your arms out like you're going to embrace him. You're welcoming him. Just for that second, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place. Fill the atmosphere because you are God's temple. Just to help you engage your mind and think about what you're singing. So sing this with the band. comfortable lifting a hand to God, just symbolically reaching out to Him. And as you go, I challenge you each day this week to wake up in the morning and ask God to help you to be aware of His presence. Ask Him to help you to see and remember that He's alive in you. That you, he'll, he'll guide you. He'll empower you. He'll encourage you. He'll help you to do all those things He's called you to do that you can't do in your own strength. And as you go, may you live in the power and the peace and the love of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.